This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to Not Over It. I'm Becky Kirsch, Managing Editor at Pop Sugar. And I'm Zareen Siddiqui, the Director of Audience Development at Pop Sugar. Becky, how's it going? How's your week? Oh, you know, so grateful to get that extra hour of light, which is something I never cared about before, but now. In these yeah. trying times, it makes a huge difference. I remember. I remember you used to always be like, I don't want to lose that hour of sleep, but it makes such a difference. It, I really do resent losing. And I and I still did this year. Re- resent losing that hour of sleep. Why? But no one's sleeping. We're constant. We're just zombies. Everybody's like barely functioning. Yes. Well, this year when time is just a suggestion, it's <laughs> definitely <laughs> less of a problem. <laughs> definitely. just Like a for I could conceivably just not um, go along with daylight savings if I wanted to. No, I, I think you can move to um, somewhere in Arizona if you truly feel that way. You know, it's like remember when you came back from Texas and you just didn't adjust the time on your computer and you were just living on Texas time in New York for a couple of weeks. I could do that. The, it, it's shocking that it took me that long to realize that my calendar was an hour behind. I mean, that's new even for me. But I think that is, again, exemplary of the times we're living in where you don't have to show up anywhere. No one's expecting you at a certain time. <laughs> It wasn't really inconvenient. And weirdly enough, at least the ones on my ca- my actual Google calendar, the meetings were fine. It was just my la- my MacBook just decided that it didn't care where I was. But at least someone did. I care. You know. I'm here for you when your MacBook doesn't care about you. Never forget that. <laughs> yeah. That's where you're being. It's noon where I am. Where are you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, you're like, I can't believe it's not noon yet. I'm like, it, it is 1237 here, but what's happening? Good times. Good we're time. all on our own our own planets these days no truly truly but things are looking up yeah things are gonna change may 1st all adults things will be different for all adults with the vaccination it's gonna be fun um anyways becky you know what time it is tell me what you're not over speaking of all adults this is not all adults the thing that i'm not over because we adults in new york city cannot access seth rogan's weed business (laughs) which is Amazing. Unsurprising, like the perfect venture for Seth Rogen. He announced, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago that this project has been 10 years in the making and that he is going to launch his cannabis company, Houseplant. And they're going to be selling cannabis products and actual cannabis where it's legal, which again is not in New York. And I love this for him. I think he loves this for himself. It, during quarantine, he's been making all of those um, the pottery stuff that he's been doing. Yes, it combines his love for uh, yes. ceramics <laughs> with <laughs> cannabis. And as soon as they launched it, the website crashed immediately. 
And of course it did. Of course it did. His tweets about it have been so funny. Um, when the website crashed, he tweeted, due to insane traffic, we took the houseplant site down temporarily while I learned to write, write code. And But it's like all these exclamation points, there's still products available. Then when it got back running, he was tweeting, it makes me so happy to see people getting our tins of weed and enjoying them. Please send me pics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also just love that uh, the Hollywood Reporter's write-up of the website crashing referred to Seth Rogen as the actor and marijuana advocate slash businessman. <laughs> Marijuana advocate. Just truly the triple threat. A triple threat for we sure. We all go for actress, marijuana advocate, businesswoman. That's amazing. I love it. Seth Rogen's Twitter was one of the uh, many bright spots for me during this year, I felt like, in general. Just his love for ceramics, him like tweeting at people, dragging folks. It was fun. I also love that he launches with Evan Goldberg, who's been his writing and production partner for all the movies he's launched. Like they're really oh, I didn't know in that. it to win it. BFF forever. Uh-huh. That's yeah, the, the um the characters in Superbad are based off of them. Seth and Evan. What? I didn't know that either. You learned yep. so, you're teaching me so much. How to tell time. <laughs> 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 tell me about these movies. The more That's you know. The All right. More now you know. your your turn. You you tell me about some things. Okay. Um, well, my not over it is about you know how Ridley Scott is coming out with a new movie called House of Gucci, which stars Lady Gaga and Adam Driver, and there was some pictures that came out last week of her feeding some, him like, yeah, some pictures, some pictures that came out. I don't know if you saw, but there was some pictures that came out. They also those pictures were just wild. It was like Lady Gaga feeding Adam Driver like a scone or something. Just Adam, dressed Adam Driver in a white turtleneck and matching white ski pants. Yeah. He does look great no matter what. I, I really enjoy him. The couple we never knew we needed. Move no, over, Bradley she, Cooper. Oh, my God. I know. But this is, I think, this is Lady Gaga's thing. She just really makes us believe she's in love with whoever she's standing next to. Like, I believe it. I liked I liked the versions of those photos where someone um, made the cookies into, like, giant Chromatica Oreos. No, not the <laughs> Chromatica Oreos. Take it away. Um, anyways, my not over it is, um, obviously, Lady Gaga is, is playing uh, Patricia Reggiani in this movie, and the, and the actual... But Gigi Reggiani is miffed uh, that Lady Gaga did not reach out to her and talk to her before taking this role on, um, mm. which is, I mean, fair assumption, I guess, if you were someone that deserved to be reached out to. But this woman hired a hitman to kill her ex-husband in 1995 and was like in jail for 26 years. So I mean, I I would like to talk to her and I'm not even playing her in a movie. Yeah, I mean, like maybe a phone call, but still, I just thought it was funny that. She was pissed and like keeps going around like telling everyone that she's pissed. But I am really looking forward to this movie that comes out in November. I it comes out in Jer- November? That is a fast turnaround. Yeah. Jared Leto's in it. Jeremy Irons is apparently in it. He was the voice of Scar on the line. Oh, I'm I'm well aware of who Jeremy <laughs> Irons is. In case you didn't know who he was. All right. Now let's get into the main topic of the episode. Something we're not over, the world's not over, and I don't think anyone's going to be over for quite some time. And that's Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's recent sit-down interview with Oprah. This was packaged and promoted as a tell-all. I think we all weren't sure what exactly was going to come out of it, if they would, in fact, tell all. But They told a lot. They told <laughs> a lot. Meghan, Meghan told more than Harry, but yeah. I think they they she said a lot of things out loud that I think people were not expecting her to actually say. Right. Which I feel like was our sort of take on it, too. 
you're not shocked that a lot of this stuff is coming out, but you're shocked she's saying it, if that makes sense. Yes, I think one thing that I was truly shocked when she was talking about mental health and her own, you know, having suicidal thoughts and literally saying I didn't want to live anymore. That was shocking to me for her to be saying out loud and to even be happening. I just didn't want to be alive anymore. And that was a very clear and real and frightening, constant thought. I was surprised. I don't want to say she threw Kate under the bus because it sounds like, you know, Kate deserved it. Sounded like it. Kate deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> you made but I was, I was not expecting her to specifically name anyone. In well, terms I feel like of- because, well, I think she got, not that she got away with it, but I feel like because that scenario was just specifically about her and Kate, it was easy for her to just kind of say, oh, you know, these tabloids said that you made Kate cry during your wedding. And she sort of was just, no. It was the opposite. Like, right. Oh, well, and okay, I think okay. and I think I expected her to say these things weren't true. This never happened. And the fact that she was specifically I, I mean, it was amazing. Like, yes, this is what we wanted. I don't think it's fair to her to get into the details of that because she apologized. Okay. And I've forgiven her, right? Mm-hmm. What was hard to get over was being blamed for something that not only I didn't do, but that happened to me. Well, it, clearly the tabloids have played a large role in pitting Kate and Megan against each other, whether they're pitting them directly against each other or just in the way that they have treated Kate versus Megan for myriad reasons. When you look at it from the tabloid perspective, Megan has everything working against her compared to Kate in that number one, she's American, which we as Americans love. Yes. Get that princess in that monarchy. <laughs> like, look at us. Let's we got infiltrate. an American in there, but it's like the Trojan horse. Like, we're sneaking in. We're gonna right. So she's number one American. Number two, marrying the spare. And then, of course, uh, because Megan is black. Yeah. So the the straight up default racism. Yeah. Well, there's been so many things of of the tabloids praising. Kate for doing one thing and then coming in for Megan for doing the same exact shit. I just, I was talking about it with my mom and she brought up those tabloids years ago when um, Kate and William were on vacation together and they had these, the paparazzi got like topless pictures of Kate on vacation. And obviously some tabloids were just assholes and whatever, like making disgusting comments. But a lot of it also, there was parts of the British press that was coming to Kate's rescue of, you know, like the princess deserves some privacy and tk thing whatever but i feel like if that had happened with megan she would have not gotten any sort of sympathy from anyone no they would have been like look at this wild american that doesn't know how to put on a shirt right well and that's a huge crux of everything that's going on here that megan talked about which is that it was clear to her that the firm the palace the monarchy whatever you want to call it wasn't willing to protect her in the way that they were willing to protect Kate or maybe some other members of the royal family in terms of speaking out when the tabloids were posting, publishing stories about her that weren't true or, um, you know, clarifying stories that weren't true. It just seemed like they didn't care. Yeah. I think in those moments, it was also when they were asking, I feel like when Oprah was asking those questions, 
I was also like, damn, Miss Oprah, like asking people personal questions. <laughs> I know. Well, the real joy, there was a real joy in watching just how Oprah kind of threads the needle and like how Oprah does Oprah. Right. Asks one question and then, you know, finds the one thing to circle back on. Like, OK, we're going to going to pull that thread a little yeah, bit. She harder. just makes like mental notes and then comes back to it. It's she really has like every instinct you should have as someone that's interviewing someone else. Right. Well, and like Megan was clearly ready to she came to play. She was no, ready yeah. to reveal. Harry was a little bit more guarded and protected. Yeah, understandably. And yeah. Drew a hard line. Another thing that not got on my nerves, but it was the amount of times the word the institution yeah. or the firm, the firm was used. I was it reminded me of that like weird movie with Matt Damon and Emily the Adjustment Blunt. Bureau. Oh, my God. I was just going to say that. I just felt like I was like, what is happening? They should find a door and a hat to go through. Right. To get These out people of are just going to emerge and come and get you. Yeah. Um, but that to me also was like confusing. So I did look, look that up. I didn't look it up. Emily, our producer, looked it up. Angel. The institution of the monarchy is more broadly known as the firm. So it's, it's, it's the same thing. But I, I felt like I was confused within the interview because I was like, is the institution different from the firm? Is the firm the same? Well, then at one point they were talking about the HR department. I was like, there's an HR department? (laughs) Like, hello. Like, hello, Queen's HR department. This is Meghan Markle. (laughs) I know. Well, that would be right. I'm like, who's filing those complaints? And also, how how do those interviews go? I also envision it as like, um, you know, in Harry Potter, they have all those little like gremlins that like work underground. The goblins? Yeah, the little goblins. And Gringotts? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is what's happening underneath the palace where they're like, oh, no, she's talking. I'm like scrambling around. <laughs> Just so many visuals of like random thing. But yeah, I re- I heavily was like referencing the Adjustment Bureau every time she kept saying the firm. To me, more of this is just the same tired, like, you know, tradition of trying to protect this institution of the royal family that is you know, seemingly a, a little useless. Like they don't, they don't really do anything except just. No, it's bizarre. It's like trying to like protect the institution of Mickey Mouse. Yeah, exactly. So you're like, you get a ton of money for doing absolutely nothing. You get security from the British government for just being you, which is like your family is has a really dark history. Like I don't know if you're aware, but so it's weird to me that the pride and they're like, oh, no, no, don't question it because then our privilege will be taken away. No, to they're me, full, that's they're full puppets. That was another thing that I thought about constantly during this interview, which is that Harry and Meghan are like puppets that now have their strings cut and are now like, yeah, hey, what's up? Free. Here's what's actually happening. Yes. Like now we're going to tell you everything. <laughs> Whereas William and Kate are still just like straight up robots kind of no true true robots like yeah, public like, facing at least it's like this is what you will wear this is what you will do but that's but this i think that's not say. true because in the interview she mentions you know when she was dating harry before they were engaged and he, she was going to meet his grandmother the queen and he was like do you know how to curtsy and so for her she was she mentioned that you know i thought that was sort of like what i would do on camera but i didn't think like on a sunday we're going to go meet your grandma that i had to curtsy but so I just, they're just cold and I don't know. Hey, hey, she said the queen shared her blanket with her. I was actually, I really enjoyed the stories about the queen being like, very like warm and, and grandmotherly, <laughs> whether or not she was just trying to protect 
Queen Elizabeth because she's a 94 year old woman. I still was like, well, I'm glad someone was nice to her because, dear God, it doesn't sound like anyone else. I was. think I mean, according to the crown, the only thing the queen loves is her corgis. And that's it. <laughs> so, according to number know. one reliable source, Netflix. <laughs> yes. Definitely H. Charles. He's definitely the one that made those comments about the race thing to me. That's a personal opinion, but I stand by it. There's a conversation it. with you. With Harry. About how dark your baby is going to be? Potentially, and what that would mean or look like. Ooh. And you're not going to tell me who had the conversation? I think that would be very damaging to them. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Well, they said they said it wasn't Queen Elizabeth, or Oprah said it wasn't Queen Elizabeth or um, Prince Philip, so that already narrows down. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to have our first ever special guest who is going to take our royals knowledge to the next level because oh she God. has much more than we do oh it's not drake <laughs> it's drake why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back and we have joining us a very special guest who is both a Royals aficionado and a Pop Sugar alum. Welcome, Allie Merriam. Hi, Becky and Serene. I'm Hello. so honored I'm, to be the first guest. I want to applaud, kind of. Um, so, Allie, you have been a longtime consumer of Royals content, contributor of Royals content, both for Pop Sugar and other places, and even now in your own weekly newsletter, The Anglophile. So you are deeply immersed in this content all the time. Nonstop. I really can't get enough. I don't know why, but uh, the past week has really been almost like the Super Bowl for people who love the Royals. It's been <laughs> honestly an emotional roller coaster, and I'm not even part of their family. But in our newsletter this week, we kind of took a pause to just sort of reflect on the magnitude of what happened in Harry and Meghan and Oprah, because it's so serious. And I think like sometimes we confront this when we're following celebrity culture too, where all of a sudden it, it stops being fun. It's almost like the real world right. tagline. Um, yeah. What is it, Becky? When things stop getting, <laughs> stop being fun and start getting real. Yeah. Like we're, we're confronting huge issues here. And I think the watching the Royal family, you know, being sort of like a, a critic or a fan or a watcher from a distance over the years, we see marriages and births and, periodically these really revealing interviews with a member of the royal family but this one felt different this one felt like it wasn't spin it wasn't just trying to control a narrative this was like a, a very authentic moment from a family that is 
you know, frankly known for repression as Harry and Meghan revealed and, and right. to have this moment of authenticity into how um, things really are for the people behind the scenes. Like that was, that was tough. That I think made a lot of people stop and think like, what are we doing putting this family on literal pedestals? Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's really humanizing for them because I think especially being American and not for me, not fully understanding, you know, all the ins and outs of the monarchy or even what's going on there because we don't have that. We we're not really like raised with it. And I think, you know, my earliest memories of even knowing anything are that Prince William was on the cover of Teen Beat and <laughs> used to be a heartthrob, which is really weird to think about now. But I think in a way it's easy, and especially with the crown, just sort of in your mind, it's almost like a soap opera. Like these aren't real people. Like these are, you know, people playing a role in the celebrity. And like you said, like the weddings and the babies, it's sort of like we consume it in the same way that we consume uh, a TV show. Right. Because well, it's not real to it. It's, 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 it's so not real to Americans. It's so like something out of our kind of like jurisdiction of like, this is something fun we get to look at and like ogle over. And so they don't really feel like real people to us. But I think to Ali's point, this really humanizes. I think for me, it's uh, so many comparisons to, you know, Princess Diana's interview, you know, years ago with Martin Bashir that came out. And I feel like that was a moment where maybe we all stopped, people stopped also and were like, wow, she's been going through all this, all this shit. And, but then it seemed like everyone just kind of forgot. <laughs> and here we are 20 years and it's, the same cycle repeating itself where I feel like, yeah, Fergie also went on Oprah and, you know, talked about being married into the family and how chaotic it was. But there's a moment where you kind of why why is it that we continue to put these people on pedestals when they seem to be trash? I don't know. It's it's really strange because it really is a family business. And while as an American, like I distinctly recall being in London, standing outside the palace and being like, it's really good we overthrew these guys because it's messed up that like just someone inherits this house like that offends me on an American level, you know, but yes. I think Harry was right when he says that his his family's kind of captive to it because they're like born into perpetuating this system. And I think one thing that we can take from all of these interviews is like their number one goal is self-preservation. And well, yeah. the royal yeah. family is so ingrained into the British psyche and society. And of course, not everyone there likes them. And there's, you know, diversity of opinions on them. But um, it, it's just a different ball game. And to know that, you know, your relationship to your father isn't just uh, a son and his dad. It's like, you know, your future king. Um, you have to curtsy to your grandmother. Like it just, it, family dynamics are hard for everyone. But add that layer in and it's just going to be so dysfunctional. And we, we see that time and time again. Um, I think talking about the other interviews, it's really interesting because everyone sort of always has an agenda to, to promote. Like Diana had her interview and that felt very authentic. Prince Charles did his own with a journalist called Jonathan Dimbleby. Didn't go great. We all remember Prince, Char uh, we all remember Prince Andrew on Newsnight. Uh, not on. too long ago, like <laughs> did not go well. <laughs> had some talking points he wanted to advance that did not stick the landing. No. Um, but this one felt felt so pivotal and like seismic really for royal watchers because you have Oprah who's like known for getting such depth out of her interview subjects. And of course it was a masterclass on how to conduct a celebrity interview. I'm sure like Zareen right. and Becky having interviewed celebrities were like, dang, that was really good. <laughs> well, she, gets, um, she gets a, a certain level of access that I haven't been able to get in my... <laughs> 
four minute junket interviews. Not to brag, but when I was at Pop Sugar, I did interview Meghan Markle. Didn't go as great as Oprah's, but um, Well, you there. did? I don't even no. remember that. Yeah, well, she was on Pop Sugar Live back in the day. And now joining us in the studio is Meghan Markle from Suits. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the responses directly from the family, of which there haven't been many, but starting with the palace's response, which my initial reaction, I think it's also Zareen's reaction, was that they were kind of like, oh, sorry, we hurt you, but not really saying much. Yeah. But um, well, it's, it's sort of like when you're someone tells you that you hurt their feelings, and you're like, I'm sorry if you felt that I was mean. <laughs> it's like, that's not an apology. That right. But as one of apologizing, don't. But as the week no offense, on, but yeah. <laughs> like, um, here's a hot take. I actually don't care about their response. Like whatever they say on their short press release, like that doesn't matter. The work that they need to do is clearly behind the scenes and wasting time on press releases or like William giving throwaway comments to uh, the press when he's doing an engagement with Kate. Like that honestly doesn't matter. Like they need to pick up the phone and call Harry and Meghan and be like, look, here's why we couldn't do security. Like, we need to just like reopen lines of communication. If what they say is true, that Harry, Meghan and Archie will remain much loved members of their family, then like they just need to act like a family, more family, less business. So however that takes place, like needs to happen out of the public eye. And then of course, like be strategically leaked so we can all like stay up to date on what's happening. But my, my take on, you know, the media and Twitter watching to see what the palace's response is going to be, it was kind of like, that doesn't really matter. Like, that's not what this is about. Well, what was surprising to me was I was like, oh, this is a nothing burger. But then later it was suggested that it was huge growth that the palace responded and acknowledged that there was even a problem because during the Diana years, they never said anything. Well, I think anytime they break protocol for anything, they think they're doing everybody a favor. And it's like, look how progressive we are. We responded to like a death or like we did this and they like over congratulate themselves on I think anything that they do. My question actually, Allie, for you is, I know that they said that Archie wasn't getting security, but wouldn't he inevitably get it once Prince Charles becomes king because then he's a grandkid of a king? That's a really good question. And from what I can tell, there's really no answer for that. Like this is new territory, particularly if Harry and Meghan and Archie and their forthcoming daughter continue to live in California. There's been this long running plan from Charles to streamline the monarchy. And that's because, you know, he's the next king. His son. Just because he's be king. been waiting in line for 900 years. <laughs> he just can't wait to be king, guys. <laughs> Literally the most patient man in the world. Just kidding. Um, like, he wanted to streamline the expenses that the family was paying, basically, to, you know, he cut off Beatrice and Eugenie's security. Princess Anne doesn't have security. Like only the people who are working royals get full-time security, like the main players. Then the sort of like second tier royals, like Prince Edward. Yes, the queen has another son, Prince Edward. That's like our joke, our running joke in the angle file. Like there is another one. Prince Edward is prince. Um, they'll, they'll get security when they're on official duties. But like, you know, Andrew, since he stepped back from being a working royal, doesn't have security. His daughters do not have security. So when Harry and Meghan step back, like naturally, by that system, they wouldn't get security. But there's like, there's no rule here for the son to the heir to the throne and what his family gets. And then particularly because you have the first royals of color in the family, like there is no rule book here. So to a rational person like us, like, you know, I can assume we're all rational, like 
you would just do it because you care about your family. But for them, they're like protocol costs. You know, they have the. the Yeah. So my understanding to me, what I thought was it's just the queen. So she can be like, "Mm, actually, no, I I veto this and you can have security because I'm the queen. And I said so. It's not really clear who's making the calls there. I think a lot of. The institution. The firm. Right. Like, I think a lot of this does have to do with Charles's vision for the future. Like, she does seem to be handing off behind the scenes some of the responsibilities and decision making to him, even though she's still the head of the family. And it was really fascinating to me in the Harry and Meghan and Oprah interview, the pains and the, like, bending over backwards they took to never offend the queen. They went out of their way to, like, flatter, to, like, love, to to really keep her on the pedestal because they clearly respect her, but also so does the United Kingdom. Like, there's this um, UK polling agency called YouGov that did a number of polls of British people after the interview. And while some people in the family ended up looking worse and having their favorability drop, the Queens went up. British people are very protective and very defensive of the Queen. And I think Harry and Meghan acknowledge that, clearly love his grandmother, but really wanted to make it clear that like they are devoted to the monarchy. I feel like Americans, we're ready to turn on anyone. So that's like... (laughs) Well, what about what about Will and Kate? Because I felt like after that interview, the way that I saw it was, okay, the future of this for Americans is like, we get Harry and Meghan now. These are our royals. We will celebrate them as we do with all celebrities. And we don't really care about William and Kate anymore. William and Kate, I think, need to just catch up with the times. Like, they're kind of operating on the old playbook. And the royals are obviously very risk-averse. They're like, this has worked for a thousand years. We're not going to react to anything too quick. We're going to see how it shakes out, and then we'll decide what we do. Like, they don't modernize rapidly at all. I mean, if you've seen The Crown, you know they had to really be pushed to make any changes. And I, I think that that is largely true. But William and Kate seem to be following the old playbook. And I think they're their PR strategy is mystery. We don't really know anything about them. Like we don't know anything about what Prince William is like as a person. Any sort of negative story gets like immediately countered. There was an issue where Kate had sort of a not wholly laudatory profile done in Tatler. And then the PR came out in force to counter that. Like they're purposefully mysterious. And I think that that will continue because they're just trying to preserve the mystique of the monarchy. And they don't really want to get they don't want to do a sit down with Oprah. Like, I feel like that would be their worst nightmare. Yeah. Oh my God. Also, I don't know if Westworld robots can do interviews. No, that'd be like watching paint dry. (laughs) I mean, I would love to see it, of course, but I just don't think it would be very good TV. But you know, Oprah couldn't do anything. Allie, I want to get your take on, um, there's a lot of talk in this interview and, you know, about throughout this entire thing about the tabloids about social media, specifically about the British tabloids and how, you know, there's been like legal issues and all this other stuff. I am not that well versed slash immersed in the world of British tabloids. I know a fair amount about American tabloids. What is your take on the difference? Is it worse in England? Are they more cutthroat? Are they more sinister? Is it more intense? Because that's what what it feels like from my perspective. But I can't just I can't tell if that's just because I don't know. I think it does come down to the difference of culture, that reverence for the queen and how intermeshed the royal family is into like the fabric of British society. And their their media is just in a different phase from ours. Like they have this fleet treat they have this fleet street tradition with journalists being pretty irreverent. And of course here our media is like all over the place. So it's hard it's apples and oranges, but 
they do have a tradition of really being enmeshed with what the royals are doing. And there sort of is a quid pro quo situation happening there with some reporters, but not all. I think if you read closely and you watch closely, you see certain journalists get scoops from the palace, certain newspapers are affiliated with the palace, while certain newspapers may be affiliated with other people. It's just, it's a really different ecosystem. And I think that Meghan and Harry just wanted to opt out. Like, they didn't want that level of scrutiny. They, the, the anecdote that Meghan shared where she couldn't go out to lunch because she was overexposed, like, I think that kind of revealed the inhumanity of a system where people are that closely scrutinized. Even if you are born into privilege and born into inheriting Buckingham Palace, which I guess technically is property of the state, but whatever. They, that to me just crystallized like what's wrong with the way the family gets covered. But do you think the British tabloids are going to go even go easy on her, easier on her now that she's here? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it might have to do with public opinion. And if people don't like seeing those stories anymore, because they feel a new level of compassion, maybe they won't write them. I don't know. It's, it seems like a chicken or the egg thing. Like, Will people still want to read that? You go. <laughs> Harry and Meghan's favorability did not go up after these uh, interviews in the UK. So I think the reception there was different. Than well, also, I think, but I think to that point, this interview to me wasn't meant for the UK. It aired in the US first. So I think that was also clear, like who this audience, which audience they were leaning into. Right. Like, I don't think they put the UK audience first for for that reason, because I think they know which is so surprising to me that the royal family is like very protected over there and and folks love the royals and but harry did note that he had sort of you know he said in the interview i pleaded as a boyfriend as a husband as a father and he said he didn't get support so for me i'm like did he not get support like he's telling the media hey back off is this support the queen also asking the media to back off that he didn't get support from her like or the firm? I feel like that's the part we don't see. We don't see the the firm, the establishment, and how they broker stories. Like, I do think, again, it kind of goes back to self-preservation, where Harry and Meghan were saying that the firm would brief against them, like brief the media against them to save other people. And I, I do have a suspicion that that's what happens, that they go out of their way to protect the people in the line of succession because that's how the firm survives. And maybe they do that at the expense of other people. I mean, you can imagine moving across the world if your dad was doing that to you, right? Yeah, I mean, your dad, <laughs> if my dad stopped taking my calls. And Prince William's, you know, two quotes that he gave to Sky News also seemed a little, like, gave me, like, real, like, annoyed siblings vibes. Yeah. Like, oh, no, I haven't talked to him, but I will. Like, yeah, y- yeah I, you better believe I will be giving him a call. Like. you know talking about my wife that way um we've talked a lot about you know queen elizabeth and prince charles and alia i'm curious about what your perspective is on you know queen elizabeth is 94 prince philip is 99 the reign of prince charles feels imminent what impact if any do you think that will have do you see any opportunity for change or growth even just in terms of how they're treating their family, how they're dealing with, you know, these issues that they've been specifically confronted with, racism, mental health. What What's your prediction in your crystal ball over there? 
Well, my first prediction is don't count out the queen yet because her mother lived to 101. So um, the age of Elizabeth may continue for a significant amount of more years. But I, I really don't expect a lot will change when Charles becomes king. Like, you know, Charles, his whole life has been under his mother's reign. Like, that's what he knows. I think there are some areas that he will seek to modernize religion, the role of the monarch in politics. I think he might be a little more activist than his mother. But I think when it comes to managing the monarchy, the lesson really has been stability, making sure any change is considered, not responding to public opinion because it ebbs and flows so much. They they are not a reactive family at all. And I, I think Charles has a plan for when he becomes king, but I don't see him rocking the boat. I really don't. According to the crown, Charles is just a whiny little bitch boy. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what he's going to offer if we're living in that world. But what I does don't... Piers Morgan think about it? Oh, God. But is there is there a chance for, you know, I mean, the world is, you know, a very vague term, but for there just to be more accountability for them, like force accountability, basically in the way that, you know, Piers Morgan already lost his job just this week for thank god ba- being a little baby but basically dismissing um megan's comments calling her a liar being called out by his co-anchor for being racist and he or- already lost his job and i feel like that's something that maybe wouldn't have happened 10 20 years ago because i think the world is just not willing to put up with this crap anymore so do you, like is there a chance that they're going to have to reckon with some of this I'd be surprised. I think accountability with the royal family is is just not anything anyone's familiar with. There really aren't any examples where <laughs> that's happened. Like look at Prince Andrew. I think I I think that it was maybe not on purpose, but it was interesting that they opened Oprah and Meghan and Harry with a story about visiting Andrew's house. It's like remember what the royals will do to protect people but then listen to our story about what they won't do to protect us. Like, I think that's a pretty good example where there, there isn't even a pretense of accountability. And so I, I, I struggle to even think of an example where there's been accountability. They've ever stepped up. It just seems like such an antiquated system that I know is not long for this world. Well, it's also, I think it, with the generations changing, like it's back you know, to the Pierce Morgan thing, I think they they talked about how this show was like the most like complained about show on British TV in like 15 years. And they got over like 41,000 people submitting like written complaints about him, including so do- Meghan Markle, her. <laughs> yeah, including, <laughs> yeah, including Meghan Markle. Good for her. Um, but I think with this new generation that just, I don't know, tweets and makes, you know, their voices heard. Maybe there is some space of but I think. Unfortunately, the royal family is still fairly unreachable in that. So right. Maybe... It's like the question is, what would it take for the royal family to be canceled? Yeah. Because you really, I think, you know, colonizing, oppressing people for hundreds of years, thousands of years would do the trick. But, a point, you know, it hasn't. So truly, what else could be done at this point? I mean, 10 years ago, it was probably hard for people to imagine the United Kingdom leaving the European Union. Anything's possible. We definitely live in an era where institutions are being questioned and challenged. So I think it is probably an uncomfortable period at the palace, but 
you know, they've been through uncomfortable periods before. I mean, I just love it. I love that Megan came in and a woman from California who was on a cable TV show has the royal family quaking in their boots. Like, you couldn't write this. Yeah, I agree. It's fun to, well, not fun to watch. I just think it's, it's nice to see that she's sort of like stepping up and like taking her own and being like, no, fuck this. I'm organizing this interview. And I also like that in the beginning, she was, Oprah was like, tell them you didn't get paid for this. Go ahead. Tell them, tell them you're not making any money from this. That was incredible. I just think it takes a a lot of strength and planning to do something like that. And it's, they also aired a lot. Harry talking about how he got all this, you know, if he if it wasn't for the mo- the money that his mom left him, they wouldn't have been able to really live this. Com- Tyler Perry and Oprah coming to their rescue is also just like iconic to me. Like, of course, Tyler Perry gave you security in his like mansion to like chill in for to get a breather. I just love that. It's amazing. And there's all those like stories about how they're like, oh, coming to America because they're money hungry, making these Netflix deals and this and that. And it's like, yeah, he- his family cut him off. He's not going to like work at a Dwayne Reed. He needs to. I thought that was interesting how Harry took care to deliberately say, we didn't seek out the streamers. We needed to have a plan to make money. And that's what worked. Yeah. Right. If he didn't have his mom's inheritance, that they would be kind of up the creek without the paddler. Well, thanks so much, Allie. It was, it was felt like old times. Just breaking down the latest with you um thanks for joining us tell us where we can subscribe to the anglophile thanks becky it's at love the anglophile that's file with an f.com and yes this was just like you and me back in san francisco desks <laughs> next to each other talking about the, the olsen twins at starbucks memories days. it's elizabeth olsen now times have change bye guys thanks Allie. bye thanks Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, we're back. Um, I think overall, we have covered, you know, mostly all the big ins and outs of the interview and, and sort of the questions that we had for Allie. Thank you, Allie, for answering those. We appreciate it. Um, I think for now, we kind of want to get into maybe, you know, to wrap things up of what will the future look like? And is anything actually going to change in the royal family? I know we discussed like, the tabloids, will they change? The mental health conversations, will they actually address the comments about the racism, aside from Prince William filling his arms like an idiot and saying two words? Um, I think that's like the bigger question of like, what does this mean going forward? Yeah. Um, 
you know, I know Ali talked a lot about how the monarchy has just been been this way this whole entire time. So there's a lot of skepticism around where, where they could change. But when it comes to the tabloids and the media in general, when I think about similar situations, you know, not similar because we don't have the royal family here, but just about the media you. impact. We have, paparazzi. And, we have Beyonce and Jay-Z. Yeah, paparazzi impact here. I think it's something that's at top of mind, especially after the framing Britney and everyone is sort of taking a step back and thinking about, you know, the way the media has. Yeah, what role they play. Harassed and hounded. But the fact that the campaign that was sort of started by Chris Nabell and Dak Shepard to get the paparazzi to stop taking pictures of kids and to get outlets to stop publishing pictures of kids was something that I never thought would actually happen and something that they were actually able to bring about pretty yeah. quickly, you know, around like something like 10 years ago and has actually, you know, enacted lasting change. On yeah. I mean, I think tablets. a lot of, I think a lot of publications that have, you know, are mindful of stuff like that. You, you pay attention to the celebrities that are willing to have their kids and share those pictures on their Instagram. Whereas like, if we're, you know, pop sugar does that too. If, if we're covering like Ryan Gosling or Eva Mendez or something, we don't, we wouldn't put up those pictures of their kids because we know that they don't, themselves don't share it. Well, right? and now, so now you're more respected. Yeah, well, good. It should be illegal. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but it took, it, it took celebrities demanding, you know, like accountability, like threatening to withhold, you know, opportunities and other press. But to me, it's just proof that change can be enacted and right. it can happen, even if yeah. it doesn't always feel that way. Yeah, it's a slow burn, but I do think it's coming. I think just with them doing this interview and although, yes, we've referenced, you know, that it, it felt a little bit like Diana and, and that moment years ago, there is a substantial difference to this because I think these claims about racism, especially, um, are more than ever like something you just you cannot look over, I think. And I don't think people are going to let the royal family forget either. No. And the conversation that you and I keep having when, you know, celebrities like Sharon Osbourne comes out on her show and, you know, is accused of racism for protecting Piers Morgan, also accused of racism and the white fragility that ensues between both of them when they're confronted about it is sort of like how can you in this year uh, with everything that has happened that has forced everyone to really confront especially people in media to confront the right. things that they're saying the way they're interacting and, and in both those situations the way they're interacting with their black colleagues right yeah i mean she was mad aggressive not have any self-awareness about right. the things that they're saying, the way that they're coming off, the language that they're using. She did. She um, did put out a statement and and own up to the fact that she, you know, clearly behaved out of pocket, and it was because she felt attacked because people might think she's racist. But again, to your point, stop reacting that way, especially reacting at people of color when you're having this conversation. You look insane. Or even Prince William saying, "There's no racism in my family." I'm very much not a racist family. Like there's racism in every family, right? It's like, like okay, literally every family yeah. there is racism in every white family. So you're like that in and of itself. Even if you're not being accused of anything, it's still there, and we know it. Yeah, racism is possible in every family, despite the color. I and that's just the truth. So to say a stupid statement like that and then be like, no, no, we're good. No, no, that doesn't happen here. Right. That's where you say no comment. And I think 
With the matter of mental health, I also think we're in a totally different situation now than we were when Princess Diana was also addressing this in her interview. And, you know, she was talking about self-harm and she was talking about bulimia and it was so shocking. And Right, yeah. Um, but I think now the conversations, and there's still like a lot of, obviously a lot of progress to be made in both of these, both racism and mental health and lots of other things. But these issues are not taken as lightly in terms of, you know, the British way of like, we're just going to brush this under the rug or even right. in the American way in a lot of ways where it's just sort of like, oh, like, good luck this to you. But much. yeah, it's it is shocking now to hear that she was actively reaching out for help, asking for help. And this yeah, like she was like, I want to go to an institution to get help. And they were like, You've, you're oversaturated. Right. Because they're too afraid too. of what it would look like if Meghan Markle, if anyone found out that Meghan Markle went to any sort of rehab so, or facility. Uh... But it's like, and, and it's better for her to, you know, harm herself versus getting the help that she may need. Like that mentality is like, just, I think it, it's really hard to comprehend, especially in 2021. No, and I think, and I think it was clear that that was like a huge linchpin for Harry, where he was talking about his own mother and the effect that it had on him and the fear of history repeating itself because... You know, with Diana, clearly her cries and were falling on deaf ears and it ended tragically. And in this situation, I mean, Megan's directly saying, like, I don't know what would happen if you leave me. I don't leave me home alone. I mean, there's nothing more urgent and dire than that. And that's terrifying. That's terrifying and like horrific to hear. So, yeah, I, I don't think I mean, I don't know what statement the family is going to put out again or the firm but i can't imagine that the only thing they're going to say about this is going to be oh that's so troubling you know we're so sorry if you felt this way there has to be more there's just especially now that william is going to call him harry because he's no, definitely I mean, well, and the irony <laughs> is that they part of these tours and these events that they do are advocating for mental health advocating for Right. And you it, know, that all just these makes causes. It, yeah. And then it's like, no, you actually don't like it's just all like performative. It's yes. so performative. Yeah, it's so performative. But to me, that's the easiest way to actually start leveraging your influence in a positive way. You're already making these connections and pretending that that's what you're doing. So why don't you actually start doing it? Yeah, you got the money. You can do it. But regardless, I think Harry and Megan are obviously the superior ones here and we'll have the last word with their. Netflix deal, as you pointed out <laughs> to me earlier this week. They'll no, be... and I mean, they already have the love of us, Beyonce, Oprah, Tyler Perry. So, yeah, we can I'm claim sure. them now as our own. Oh, yeah. I wish Megan could restart her Instagram. I was thinking about the other day. <laughs> yeah, I know. The TIG. Um, oh, yeah, could I was just going to ask her lifestyle yet. website. The TIG. Yeah, we'd love to get updates about Archwell's Coop. I was just thinking about who else I could see them being friends with. I mean, they're friends with Jay-Z and Beyonce. Chrissy Teigen and John Legend seem like a, a natural fit for them. Yeah. That I does. could see Meghan Markle putting out a cookbook or like a like a farm to table. Like they seem to be into organic. Maybe she'll, um, she'll ask Kourtney Kardashian for some advice and push, you know, see how. <laughs> you know, I mean, like everyone loved Harry's appearance on Corden. So, oh know, yeah, I think we're all talking cute. about, you know, Meghan's got the acting chops and the, the prior experience, but. He's got the media training, baby. He what knows. Can, yeah, what can we what can we get Prince Harry to do? It's Hollywood, baby. He knows. Royals are just like us. <laughs> royals are just no longer royals ish. Okay. They're royals ish. Okay, you ready for your burning question? Okay. If Netflix changed their mind and decided to 
extend the crown to cover what's happening now, which means, you know, full grown Prince William, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, all of this. If all of this ends up on the crown, who is your cast as any of these current figures? Oh, you know who I would actually get to play Meghan Markle? would be the actress uh, Sierra Capri, who plays Monse on On My Block, which is an amazing show. If you haven't watched it, you should. Oh, yeah. And she's she... a little she's a little young. I mean, she plays a high school person. Well, high by school, the time... A high school the... person. <laughs> high, school, high school human. A high school student. <laughs> yeah, but I imagine this season wouldn't happen for like a couple of years. She'll be grown by then. But won't it be awkward, the age difference between the inevitable casting of Rupert Grint as Harry, as Harry <laughs> Potter, as Prince Harry? I really can't not call him Harry Potter. It's a problem. I mean, we only identify with one Harry, I feel like, so it's hard for us. No, but like, has anyone ever had a casting suggestion for Prince Harry? We know who they could get to play him is they could get that guy that was the Harry impersonator for the short-lived no. reality show I uh, Want to Marry Harry where the women competed for his love. But really, I just want any excuse to talk you about love the, talking the about existence this. No. of that show. I think we should do an entire no. podcast episode no. about it. No, yes. no, no. DJ, Fine. play Royals by Lord. And we'll never be Looking for your next listen? Tune in to Love These Days, a Pop Sugar podcast in partnership with Crate and Barrel Wedding Registry, dedicated to the new trials and tribulations that come with love and marriage in 2021. Find Love These Days on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Have something to share? Email us at notoverit@popsugar.com. Not Over It is a podcast from Pop Sugar and iHeartRadio. It is hosted by me, Becky Kirsch, and Zareen Siddiqui. Our producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is John Ross. Our executive producers are Lisa Sugar and Brett Kushner. Thanks for listening. 